1: Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host Doris Hansen and we're glad that you're joining us. You know, we are here every Thursday night to talk about forced cohabitation, also known as celestial marriage or polygamy, uh, that early Mormonism made part of this culture. Uh, we do hope that you enjoy what we have planned for you tonight before we get started i do have a short announcement for our viewers who are out of a polygamy environment and you would like to meet up with and talk with others who have experienced what you're experiencing or, are, or will be experiencing as you uh, uh, transition out of a polygamous uh, situation. We know that the trauma can be bad in leaving a polygamy group. It's worse for some than for others. But we're going to have a, a support group, a discussion group meeting on Monday, February 24th at 6.30 p.m. And we'd like to welcome those from every Mormon polygamy group who would like to come, um, who you just come and talk with us and, and listen listen and if you don't want to talk that's fine just listen we always have a wonderful time we have good information sharing with each other and if you're interested in coming you can email me at tv at about polygamy.com for full information um, of the group meeting but that's going to be February 24th at 6 30 p.m. and again anyone from a polygamy group is welcome to come and even if you're thinking of leaving a polygamy group come on uh, and let's talk about it and and we can even help you make the plans that you need to make. Last week on our show, we discussed the impact of a federal court judge Wadoops, who effectively decriminalized polygamy in his ruling that laws against cohabitation are unconstitutional. Our premise is, and must be, that we need laws against forced cohabitation, which is exactly what polygamy is. We'd like to remind you too that those in plural marriages do not refer to their polygamy as celestial cohabitation or a plural cohabitation, and neither do the sister wives who started this lawsuit. They and all polygamists use the word marriage in reference to their relationship, and that's what it is to them, it isn't cohabitation. And as we said last week, Polygamy by any other name is still polygamy. We had a call during our show last week from a woman who said that she was in her 80s and she claimed that when she was a young girl, around five years old or so, that she had met Fanny Alger, the teenage girl whom Emma had found in the barn with Joseph Smith. Now, our caller said that she met Fanny Alger in the early 1900s and Fanny was in her 90s. Well, I didn't have access to information during the show but I did find out afterwards that she couldn't have met Fanny Alger in the early 1900s because Joseph Smith Fanny died in November of 1889 I'd have, it would have been quite an interesting conversation had that been true but I just thought I'd make that point for our viewers and also just more proof of how important it is to not take everything at face value but check things out to see if they're true. Reminds me of Acts 17, 11, where the noble, God calls people noble who will check out and and search the scriptures to see if everything that they're being taught is true. Because if it's not true, you need to toss it. And after the show last week, we received an email, of course, without a return email address so that we could answer it. So I'm going to read the email and answer it now, hoping that whoever wrote the email is listening to our answer. And this is what the email said. Okay, I hear you say that nowhere in the Bible does God or Christ approve or condone polygamy and that if the practice is truly God's will, it must be eternal. Belief in the divine principle of plural marriage, as God approved, is scriptural. For the prophets, is, for the prophets, Israel so recorded. Abraham and David, Jesus himself approved married men adding their brothers' widows to their family in marriage. Now this is word for word the way it was sent um, to me. Now as usual we just received flat statements. We didn't receive any references, no footnotes, nothing, no quotes, nothing, just flat references or flat statements from the viewer. My challenge is, and it has always been, give me one single verse in the Bible where God commanded polygamy. And where he made it into a religious law, a requirement for eternal life, just like Joseph Smith did. Where is that biblical verse? We hear people say it all the time. Polygamy is big biblical. Well, give me a verse where God commanded it and made it a religious law. He didn't. Joseph Smith lied. Abraham took Hagar as a concubine because Sarah insisted he do it. God never told either Sarah or Abraham to take Hagar to wife. It's not in the Bible. If you found one that's in the Bible, I'd like to see it. And David, well, yeah, he had several wives and concubines too. But where in the Bible did God command him to do it? Where did God say David must practice plural marriage or forfeit eternal life? That's what Joseph Smith taught and Brigham Young, all the polygamists today teach it. It isn't there. It's not in the Bible. And again, polygamy is not a divine principle. He referred to it as a divine principle. It is not. But there is a divine principle that applies, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 18, which says, "...thou shalt not commit adultery." That's a divine principle. And as for David, well, he made a royal mess of his polygamy against God's command in Deuteronomy 17:17, 17, 17, which is the verse that was just up on the screen, where God did say, Neither shall he, he, the king, multiply wives to himself, that his heart not turn away. God commanded against multiple wives, not for it. And nowhere did Jesus ever condone a married man take more wives ever. Give me a verse for heaven's sakes. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5:28, "But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart." So, if looking <clears throat> at another woman with lust is adultery, Why isn't physically taking another woman to wife also adultery? The doctrine of polygamy that Joseph Smith cursed our culture with has caused too many people to be unable to even think clearly when it comes to polygamy in Mormon culture. Last week, we also began discussing an article on the LDS.org website, which grossly misrepresents their own Mormon polygamist history. And tonight, we're going to finish analyzing their article, pointing out its dishonest and misleading statements that are meant to whitewash the actual facts of early Mormon polygamy. Now the article can be found at the internet link on your TV screen where you can read the article in its entirety for yourself. And of course, that's a long link. So instead you can go to our website, whatloveisthis.tv and um, more easily access their website. You can just click on the link that we have there for it. And on our uh, show notes, we also will have the bibliography for the the resources we used for the show tonight and for last week. Now, the article about early Utah polygamy on the LDS.org website is entitled, Plural Marriage and Families in Early Utah. And as we did last week, the particular part of the article that we discuss will go up on the screen and we'll work our way to the end of the article tonight. So we're going to begin where we left off last week. And the statement I'm going to begin with is this, quote, Church leaders recognized that plural marriages could be particularly difficult for women. Divorce was therefore available to women who were unhappy in their marriages. Remarriage was also readily available. It's interesting that they would use divorce as part of their argument for polygamy on this website. Of course, divorce was readily available because every bad and sad marriage that ended in divorce helped make Brigham Young a very rich man. And because divorce was readily available, does that justify the justification for polygamy? And why does this article bring up divorce at all if the women were all so pleased and content uh, in their polygamous marriages this article seems to portray? Well, let's look at some of the historical truths about this statement. December 15th of 1858, it says Young readily grants divorce to unhappy plural wives, but requires husbands to pay him personally a $10 fee. That would be $214.50 in 2001 U.S. dollars. Brigham Young issues 1,600 certificates of divorce for unhappy polygamous marriages. This equals $16,000 or... In U.S. dollars of 2001, $343,200. That's a lot of money that Brigham Young got for divorces from bad polygamous marriages. Brigham Young profited highly just through divorce fees alone. 13th of June, 1878, quote, LDS political newspaper Salt Lake Herald's editorial on unhappy marriages begins. We cannot say how many divorces the Mormon Utah probate courts have granted during the last few years, but the number is enormous, amounting to perhaps thousands. And on February 27th of 1889, LDS political newspaper Salt Lake Herald's article titled Failed Marriages says, in 1870, Utah had the highest rate of divorce out of all the states and territories. In 1880, Utah had the 10th highest rate of divorce out of all the states and territories. So... Should the LDS church officials use easy divorce as a justification for polygamy? What they're saying is, oh, polygamy is okay, polygamy is great, unless you do it and find out you don't like it. But if you don't like it, there's a way out. Just go get a divorce. Well, here's more proof that they are purposely misleading. We wonder if they can ever tell the truth about their history. Whatever happened to thou shalt not bear false witness? The next statement from the article Quote, women did marry at fairly young ages in the first decade of the Utah settlement, age 16 or 17, or infrequently younger, which was typical of women living in frontier areas at the time. Well, marrying at a very young age on the frontier was typical specifically in Mormon polygamy. Most women in the rest of the country in the 1800s married past 20 years old, except in Mormonism, because in polygamy the available females are younger and younger as the old polygamous men snatch up more and more wives, and it creates a shortage of women their age. So they have to take from the younger girls in order to get their plural wives. Warren Jeffs is merely copying what the early Latter-day Saints did, And he also claims God commanded it. Why is it okay with the early Mormons to do it and not Warren Jeffs? Let's look at a passage from an early Mormon polygamous incident. And I quote, Only a short distance there stood a miserable adobe hut. I could not conscientiously call it a house where lived an LDS man with three wives, all of whom had families. The first and second women were sisters, and the latter had been a widow with one child when she married her sister's husband. When this child had grown to be about 16 years old, her stepfather had also married her. She left and became sealed to another man as his plural wife. She had two children by him, then he died and she returned to her first husband, bringing her children with her, the eldest of whom was a girl about 15 years old, and the old wretch had thoughts of marrying her too. Well, the story in this book is longer, but to make a long story shorter, what happened is this young girl was eventually sealed to her grandfather and became his fourth polygamist wife. So he was married to the mother, to her stepdaughter, and to her daughter all at the same time. Three generations of women were his wives. Although this wasn't normal in early Mormon polygamy, it certainly wasn't all that unusual either. Early Mormon polygamy was not the serene picture that the article on LDS.org is attempting to paint for you. The next quote in the article, beginning in 1862 the United States government passed laws against the practice of plural marriage. Well, This is another misleading statement. It's true that federal laws were being passed, but what they're not telling you is that state laws already existed against polygamy in the states the Mormons lived. Now here's some historical information to set the record straight, and I quote, not only did Joseph Smith commit the crimes of bigamy and adultery, he lied about doing so. It was that May 1844 denial which set into motion the events that led to Smith's death one month later. Furthermore, Mormon polygamy was never legal at any time, not even in the Utah Territory from 1847 to 1890. Marriage is a legal contract between one man and one woman. There was never been a law enacted to allow otherwise. All the married Mormons who immigrated to Utah in 1847 had been married under the civil laws of their respective states. Each one of those states had laws against bigamy, thus making monogamy the common law. The very reason Brigham Young chose to move to Utah rather than Oregon, California, or Texas, as others suggested, was because Utah was an uninhabited no-man's land. However, the area was legally Mexican territory, and polygamy was illegal in Mexico. When the Mormons went to Utah in 1847, all married Mormons at that time had been married under laws of the states they had come from. Utah became U.S. territory in 1848, after the Mexican War, and thus all citizens living therein became subject to the common laws of the nation, including marriage laws. (coughs) So you can see. When they say that, you, that federal laws were being enacted, trying to make it sound like that the laws were being enacted against the Mormons, the laws were already in place in every state that they lived and the territories that they lived. The laws against it was already in place. The next quote from the article for their part, many Latter-day Saint women publicly defended the practice of plural marriage, arguing in statements that they were willing participants. End quote. Okay, this is a good one. <clears throat> many females did defend plural marriage, but countless more hated it with a passion. But the real story that this article ignores is that many women were forced to defend it and did so out of necessity and fear. George S. Tanner was a prominent Utah educator and he was the son of a polygamous marriage. And he said this, and I quote, I doubt there was a woman in the church who was in any way connected with polygamy who was not heart sick. They would not admit it in public because of their loyalty to the church and their brothers and sisters. Tanner was persuaded that the women try to be brave, but no woman is able to share a husband whom she loves with one or more other women. And this was from a man who was raised in a polygamist home during those times. Wilford Woodruff, The prophet president who delivered the 1890 manifesto, who himself married another woman after he gave the manifesto, he bullied his first wife into defending polygamy. Let's see what she had to say about this. And I quote, Phoebe Woodruff, first wife of Apostle Wilford Woodruff, called upon to defend the principle, the principle is referring to polygamy, In a mass meeting of Mormon women, Phoebe bore testimony that, If I am proud of anything in this world, it is that I accepted the principle of plural marriage and remained among the people called Mormons and am numbered with them today. Later, in a conversation with a longtime friend, she was asked, How is it, Sister Woodruff, that you have changed your views so suddenly about polygamy? I thought you hated and loathed the institution. I have not changed, was her response. I loathe the unclean thing with all the strength of my nature, but I have suffered all that a woman can endure. I am old and helpless and would rather stand up anywhere and say anything commanded of me than to be turned out of my home in my old age, which I should be most assuredly if I refused to obey counsel." So you can see that there was some forcing going on for these women that this article is saying defended polygamy. They had to. They were forced to publicly defend it. And finally, I want to quote Sarah Pratt, who was the first wife of polygamist Orson Pratt. And she said, I quote, Sarah castigated polygamy as the direst curse with which a people or a nation could be afflicted. It completely demoralizes good men (coughs) and makes bad men correspondingly worse. As for the women, well, God help them. First wives, it renders desperate or else heartbroken, mean-spirited creatures. And plural wives have their sorrows too. Now these last few quotes alone illustrates the miseries of polygamy from the women themselves and completely invalidates this entire article on LDS.org. This kind of life did not come from God. Brigham Young himself knew the pain and the misery of his plural wives. Yes, the prophet himself complained because all his wives were complaining about their miserable lives in polygamy. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> we wonder why the LDS Church chose not to use some of this information in their article on early Utah polygamy, and I want to quote part of Brigham Young's speech, <coughs> and he said, quote, "Now, for my proposition, as it is frequently happening that women say they are unhappy," Men will say, my wife, though a most excellent woman, has not seen a happy day since I took my second wife. No, not a happy day for a year, says one, and another has not seen a happy day for five years. It is said that women are tied down and abused, that they are misused and have not the liberty they ought to have, that many of them are waiting through a perfect flood of tears. Now recollect that two weeks from tomorrow I am going to set you at liberty. But the first wife will say, it is hard for I have lived with my husband 20 years or 30 and have raised a family of children for him. And it is a great trial to me for him to have more women. Then I say, it is time that you gave him up to other women who will bear children. If my wife had borne me all the children that she ever would bear, the celestial law, which is polygamy, would teach me to take young women that would have children. There is no cessation to the everlasting whining of many of the women in this territory. Prepare yourselves for two weeks from tomorrow and I will tell you now that if you will tarry with your husbands after I have set you free, you must bow down to it and submit yourselves to the celestial law. You may go where you please after two weeks from tomorrow, but remember that I will not hear any more of this whining. Now, if you want to check this out, and I suggest you check everything out, go to the Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, pages 55 through 57, and you can read this entire speech in its fullness, and it's, a, it's quite a long speech, talking about all the miseries of these wives in polygamy, and LDS.org has the nerve to say that they publicly defended it? Why don't they tell the whole truth for a change? The statement that they said is just the opposite of what we just quoted from actual history because they said, for their part, many Latter-day Saint women publicly defended the practice of plural marriage, arguing in statements that they were willing participants. So, from Brigham Young's own complaint that we just read and statements from the women who were forced to defend it and hated it certainly cast doubt on the integrity of this article. Did you notice the particular words that Brigham Young used to describe what the women were suffering in polygamy? Words like unhappy, tied down, misused, abused, having no liberty, floods of tears, great trials, everlasting whining, setting them free, bow down to it and submit to it. That's what he told the women in polygamy. That was polygamy in early Utah from the mouth of Brigham Young and he of all people ought to know. And you know what? It isn't any different today. You might find a few fluttery people like sister wives out there saying they're having a good time. But when you get down in the trenches of polygamy groups, it's exactly the same way. Our next quote from the article. After the United States Supreme Court found the anti-polygamy laws to be constitutional in 1879, federal officials began prosecuting polygamist husbands and wives during the 1880s. Believing these laws to be unjust, Latter-day Saints engaged in civil disobedience by continuing to practice plural marriage and by attempting to avoid arrest. Okay, did you hear that? Did you grasp what that said? They are admitting that the Latter-day Saints engaged in civil disobedience by continuing to practice polygamy. Well, this is precisely what Mormon fundamentalists are doing today and have been doing since 1904. Yet their own parent church has played Pontius Pilate washing their hands of them when they did exactly the same thing. Why is it okay for the LDS to break the civil law in those early days and brag about it now? But the polygamists who are doing the same thing today are disenfranchised, criticized, persecuted, and judged so harshly by their parent church for doing exactly the same thing. Isn't that the height of hypocrisy? The mother church refuses to concede that today's polygamists are the fruit of their Joseph Smith. And if you want to know what Jesus thinks of that kind of leadership, read Matthew chapter 23. And also Jesus said, the root, a bad root cannot produce good fruit. The next part of the article I want to read says, and I quote, To help their husbands avoid prosecution, plural wives often separated into different households or went into hiding under assumed names, particularly when pregnant or after giving birth. So here we have the hiding, the isolationalism, the lying for the Lord, that began with the early polygamist Mormons and continues today. And believe me, folks, that's not easy. I lived that life myself. My mother was a second wife. She knew what it was to hide, to isolate herself, to not be able to claim her own husband. And our, the children, we could not claim our own father. And so they're saying that breaking the laws of the land and the women and the children suffered the most because Joseph Smith decreed polygamy. Oh, yeah. Some Mormon men went to prison, and, and, well, they should have. It was against the law. But it was the women who suffered the poverty, the stigma, the loneliness, the rejection of both her husband and society all the days of their polygamous lives because they were taught and they believed in a false gospel of polygamy in order to earn their eternal life. And the children suffered. And they still do suffer because they couldn't own up to having a legitimate father, a legitimate name. They couldn't claim their rightful heritage. And many of them were known as and were called bastards, which was a terrible stigma in those days because their mother, who was a polygamous wife, couldn't own their father. Polygamy for exaltation was and is a cruel doctrine and it is not a biblical doctrine and it is not part of Jesus Christ's gospel. The Bible says that someone who teaches another gospel will be eternally accursed. And all the early Mormon polygamists, presidents, prophets taught a different gospel. And we quoted last week and on plenty of previous shows how they threatened and damned anyone who refused to go into plural marriage. Our next quote from the article. For many who practiced it, plural marriage was a significant sacrifice. Despite the hardships some experienced, the faithfulness of those who practice plural marriage continues to benefit the church in innumerable ways. Well, I'm here to tell you, folks, according to the Bible, according to God's program, the end never justifies the means. Early pioneers, whether they're Mormon or not, suffered hardships and were faithful to family, to God, and to community. Living polygamy is not a prerequisite to faithfulness, and neither is being a Mormon. Many LDS and Fundamentalist viewers have emailed me damning me to eternal hellfire because of what I say against the early Mormon leadership and their doctrine of polygamy. But consider this, I am also a product of polygamy. And by this specific argument on LDS.org, for polygamy that they have used here, if it wasn't for polygamy, I wouldn't be here talking against it right now. So the sword is double-edged and it cuts both ways. God is perfectly capable of achieving His purposes without people breaking His commandments. The end never justifies the means. And the final statement in the article says, and I quote, Although members of the contemporary church are forbidden to practice plural marriage, Modern Latter-day Saints honor and respect these pioneers who gave so much for their faith, families, and community, End quote. The contemporary LDS church forbids plural marriage. It's true that if Joseph Smith or Brigham Young were alive today and tried to join the Mormon church, they would be laughed right out of the state, yet every polygamy group would welcome them with their arms wide open. This statement says that modern Latter-day Saints honor and respect their pioneers who gave so much for their faith and families and community, and I ask why. Why honor historical characters who have left such a legacy of ruined lives and a ruined heritage to their posterity? They grew up believing and teaching the lie of polygamy. They treated their women with disrespect and dishonor. They married young girls off to men old enough to be their grandfather and great-grandfather. And they're honored? Why? All they had to do was open up their Bibles and read where God instituted and commanded monogamy. And had they done that and made that small effort... They would have known that polygamy was ungodly and not required, that Joseph Smith was a false prophet, yet they are honored for being so cruel and dishonest. They claim the Book of Mormon is the most correct book in the world and is the cornerstone of their religion. They say it, but they can't believe it. And the proof of that is found in Alma chapter 41, verse 8, where it says, and I quote, Now the decrees of God are unalterable. So which is it? God told the Old Testament kings not to pl- multiply wives unto themselves. God told the New Testament church not to have more than one wife. The Book of Mormon claims in Jacob, too, that polygamy was an abomination then suddenly God alters his decree and tells Joseph Smith in section 132 to go ahead and take ten virgins and then God alters his decree again and tells Wilford Woodruff to stop it but Alma says that God's decrees cannot be altered which is it it can't be both it's one or the other but it cannot be both well it looks like we've used up our first half hour So it's time uh, to share our message and to open up our telephone lines. We would love to hear from our viewers who would like to participate in the discussion about this. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. Turn your volume down when we get you on the line. So as we wait for the calls to come in, we will share our message with you.
2: You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of a Shield and Refuge ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hanson.
1: Welcome back to our program, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hanson, and we've been going through an article about early Mormon polygamy uh, from the LDS.org website, um, you can go to our website, WhatLoveIsThis.tv, and click show notes, and uh, from the show notes you can access our uh, resources that we used for the program tonight and for last week, and you can also click on the link there to get to the article so that you can read it in its entirety. Uh, because we were unable to read every statement. However, we did get some of the most important statements in there. Our phone lines are open. Our phone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. We'd love to hear from our viewers what you might have to say about any of this or some of it. Let's hear from some polygamists. I know there are polygamists out there who say they're happy in in their marriages. I also know there are many who are not happy and the children aren't happy and I know there's a lot of abuse. I also know that there's a lot of people who don't know what abuse is in polygamy. They just think it's their normal way of life and they have never been able to categorize it as abuse. I also know that I've talked to people who who have called me who are in polygamy situations and they don't even know that that what they're doing it shouldn't be done they they don't even understand that although they're not happy in their marriage and they know that their children uh, are not being treated um, equally by the father their father. And they don't like their life. That's just what they think it is because that's all they know. That isn't right. That isn't mere cohabitation that Judge Wadoops talks about. That is absolute total abuse. And it is identity theft in the very rudest and coarsest way. Because the children don't even know who they are. And the wives don't even know any better. They don't know they should get out or can go out. And you know what? God has nothing to do with that kind of life. God does not tell women to ever share their husband, ever. Um, we ha- do have some emails that I thought I would like to share some of them with you tonight. Uh, as we wait for the calls to come in, you can give us a call, 801-973-TV20. If, if you're from a polygamy group, in a polygamy group, we would love to hear what you have to say about your life in polygamy. I got an email from... Um, A man by the name of Frank, he called himself Frank. Again, there was no return email address, and so we couldn't answer him. So we'll answer him on the air. And he said this, Your show is a joke. I can't wait before you stand at the judgment day before God. He will ask you if you know him. Well, you know him with words, but not the pure love of Christ. Absolute terrible show. Well that's what he said and he has his right to his opinion. But that's a very judgmental statement, I would say. How would Frank ever know whether I know God or not? And how why, why is he so anxious for me uh, to be, to see me before God on Judgment Day? Isn't that kind of a vengeful attitude? And you know, the pure love of Christ is a phrase that is so often used and misused in this culture, yet this culture rejects the very doctrine that proves the pure love of Christ. And that is that His death on the cross is the only method which pays the price of our sin and extends God's righteousness as a gift to a repentant sinner. Personal works are rejected. Instead, People will go about trying to establish their own self-righteousness when only the righteousness of God will be accepted and, and which is extended only at the cross of Jesus Christ. The pure love of Christ was exhibited by Jesus when he ripped up at the religious leaders, calling them a brood of vipers and hypocrites, trying to get their attention away from their own self-righteous works, which leads people away from God, not to Him. Trying to communicate truth to people is an expression of love. We're sorry that our viewer uh, sees this show as a joke, but it isn't a joke. And the thousands and thousands of people who have been deceived by Joseph Smith's polygamy, as they exist in eternity without God, they would never ever consider truth. Even when truth hurts, they would never consider it a joke. Truth matters. Eternally, truth matters. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That means that even if the truth hurts, a true friend will tell it to you. So you can email me and call me all the names that you want and make any vengeful remark to me that you want. But as long as God allows, I will tell you biblical truths about this culture. Another email came in from KT, and it says, I love this show. I am so glad I found this show. Thank you for the great work you're doing and not just for the practicing polygamists the show is trying to reach. Too many are captive and living in darkness inside this wretched institution for the truth to be available to them. I'm speaking for anyone in the LDS church looking for information who may happen onto your program. I left the church after five generations of deception, some 18 years ago, and have never looked back except to help expose the truth, especially to my own children. We are descendants of the potters who were murdered as a part of the principle of blood atonement. My ancestor was killed along with the parishes in Springville in 1857, known as the Parish Potter Murders. I hope you go into this terrible practice that was preached and promoted by Brigham Young himself along with the other things that had no business being part of any religion claiming Jesus Christ as their Savior. The blood atonement principle completely negates the sacrifice of the Savior himself and is one of the reasons that Mormons are not Christians. Keep up the good work, love, and gratitude. So I thank this lady for her email, and it is so true. We have talked about blood atonement on a previous show. Maybe it's time to visit it again. It's been a while since we've done it. But she is so right. The blood atonement doctrine of Brigham Young was absolutely horrifying to think that they would shed their own blood to pay for unforgivable sins. The only unforgivable sin, by the way, is dying unsaved. Dying uh, believing that you've made your own way to heaven when only Jesus Christ makes that way. That's the only unforgivable sin. And you know what? Eternity counts. It's there waiting for every single one of us, and we never know when we're going to face it. This is so important. Okay, um, we do have um, a call coming in. Line one, Nancy from Layton. Hello, Nancy. Yes. Yes, you're on the air, okay. Nancy. Yes. Yes, this is Doris. Oh, Doris, okay, you're, you're diff- looking different on the television.
0: Yeah.
1: I have a, a thought I want to throw out there. I've been watching this show for a long time, that reforms Mormon. And, and it's with the idea that,
3: that God wants that um, men to have poor wives. And, and I would like to ask some of the good Mormon people,
1: well, if he wanted man to have more than one life, why didn't he give Adam more than one life? Why, why didn't he just remove more than one, you know, will and make him several lives while he was making one? Well, that's a good question. It's a question that I've asked. You know, it tells it tells us in in the Bible that God created Adam and then uh, from from Adam's side, he brought out uh, and made a woman named Eve, and brought them together in monogamy. Now, if he and they and at that time, uh, it would have been the perfect time for Jacob two uh, thirty to come into effect here, where the population would increase faster if he had taken out several ribs instead of just one and made him several wives. But he didn't. He took out one rib and gave him one wife. Uh, and that ought to tell you how he felt about it. Because
0: he didn't
1: really change his mind about anything was right. What no. he did, he didn't make mistakes. No, that's right. That's right. God's uh, God's model for marriage is monogamy, plain and simple. That's that, It's that clear. The Bible's very clear about that.
3: Well, anyway, I just wanted to hear that with you.
1: Okay, well, thanks for calling, Nancy. Uh, okay, uh-huh. bye-bye. Bye. Another point I'd like to make in, in the same line here is uh, Noah. When Noah and his family went on the ark, there were eight people. The Bible tells us there were eight people, four men and four women. Now, if he wanted to increase the population fast after the flood, why didn't he bring multiple wives on the ark for those men? He didn't. One one woman for every uh, man, and that's the way God had it designed, and He hasn't designed it any other way. Uh, men have designed it and redesigned it, but the worst thing was when Joseph Smith came along and made it a requirement for salvation. That there were people in the Bible who practiced polygamy, but I'm here to tell you, not one of them ever in the in all of Scripture. Will you find a happy polygamist? Will you find a happy family? Will you find where there isn't all kinds of trouble in that family? And you'll never find that it's a command for eternal life. It was never a religious uh, practice in the Bible. And you know what? If Mormonism was to become Christian, which they keep saying that they are, the things that they will absolutely have to do is renounce polygamy once and for all, and renounce and denounce every single leader that ever preached or practiced polygamy. And the Mormon fundamentalists, they are Mormon because they live the original Mormon faith. And so um, our phone calls are a little bit slow tonight, it looks, so I've got some more emails to read. And I want to read this one here. It was written a few months ago. And it says, from a man, another amazing show, as always, as far as the church coming out and saying polygamy was never right, it was in error, well, that will never happen. But I think it comes back to the prophets will never lead you astray. If they said that, then they would be admitting that Joseph Smith did lead them astray, and that would make him a false prophet, which in return would make the church false. But in order to keep it going, They have to do their mind tricks. You have to twist your brain up like a pretzel to try to explain the lies. Polygamy is bad, but new revelation, well, it's good. It's illegal, so we will lie and say it's still bad when it's good. New revelation, well, it's bad again, but wink, wink, it's good. So bad is good, but really bad, but it will be good again. So it's bad, good, or is that good, bad? I don't know. I can't explain it but it will all be revealed to us in time until then don't question it because that's bad. God didn't give us a brain to think with just believe it. You know that's pretty much the response all the Mormons in my family and town don't ask any questions that would jar our faith in any way by the way this is true for the polygamy groups in case anybody's getting ruffled feathers the polygamy groups do exactly the same thing don't question your leaders They jumble a bunch of stuff together, they go back and forth and up and down and side to side, and they say, I don't know, we'll know later, can't question anything, just believe. And I find it so funny, because when they say just believe, I wonder, believe what? You don't know what you believe, that's the point. But after being mind controlled from birth, That reaction actually seems normal. That's how they keep their members going to church. I'm just glad their nonsense didn't make sense to me, and I got out of the mindless zombie religion and closer to God, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep up the good work. Love your show. The truth is a breath of fresh air. God bless. Well, that one was a little bit rough of an email, but that's not as rough as some that I see. So I thought I would share that to you, with you. If anybody is questioning or having doubts, go for it. Have your doubts, because doubts are good. Okay, line one, we have Mike from Roy. Hello, Mike.
3: Hello.
1: You're on the air. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh,
3: yes, I, I, I read a book uh, some years ago uh, called... The God Makers. Yes. Uh, Wonder if you were familiar with that book and possibly who the author is. It's been so long. Ed Decker. Ed
1: Decker was the author. Ed Decker. Ed Decker.
3: Ed Decker. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I was just calling to uh, suggest that... uh, uh, a lot of your uh a lot of the uh, practicing mormons really should read that uh you the 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 topics that you tackle on your show pretty much remind me of everything that's in the book of more or in that uh, godmaker's book uh you know i'm sure a lot of the mormons are not going to believe anything in that book whatsoever but
1: well you know mike it, what what's, what we know is true is if someone is questioning and they want to know the truth, no matter what it is, uh, then they will check out the resources that we talk about on the show. If they're not questioning, they can read 10,000 books and it won't make a bit of difference. They have to want the truth no matter what it is. They have to be willing to want the truth and then accept it when they get it. Otherwise, they're self-deceived.
3: Absolutely, and the real truth is... <clears throat> the The Mormon leaders back then, Joseph Brigham Young, the things they did back then—if they did any of those things today, anybody did any of those things today, they would be in prison for
1: life. Well, right along with Warren Jeffs is. Yes, he is. Yeah, and they
3: don't believe that. Uh, that really don't believe that. Uh,
1: any, any of that stuff, I mean... Uh, well, they, they, some, really. a lot of it they not don't believe. True. Mike, a lot of it's it they, they don't believe. They think that we're just uh, hyperventilating here most of the time, I think. But, but the, the point is, even when they do believe it, when they know it happened, they, they, they justify it. Just like the, those quotes I did tonight on that art. They justify what they did because of this or because of that. And they make misleading statements and they cover up. But you know what? Jesus said, "A bad tree, a bad tree root cannot produce a good fruit." And so, and Joseph Smith was bad root, he very bad root, and he's been proven. There's not even any question about it. He's been proven to be a lying prophet, and so, and a false prophet. So the rest of it all just is hung out to dry. Um, I have another (coughs) call coming in. Thank you for calling. Very much. Yes. Okay, we have online. Well, it says line three, but I guess not. We'll do line two. Amy in West Valley. Hello, Amy. Hi. Yes, Amy, you're on the air. Okay. <laughs> I just want to tell you this show is the best show ever. What? Don't, don't talk so loud because your voice is blurred. What did you say? I, I just want to tell you that your show is the best show ever. Oh, well, good. (laughs) Thank you. We're we're happy. I I love it. I I was sitting on the table here showing my clothes and I was laughing so hard. This is the best show. Oh, well, well, we're glad that you enjoyed it. We hope you got some good information out of it and uh, that you can share it with somebody who's willing to listen and wants to hear the truth. Amen. May may the Lord bless you. Continue doing the same thing. May God bless you and bless you more and more. Well, he's blessing me. He's blessing me. Thank you very much, Amy. Good night. Okay. Uh, the, the call earlier about um, sharing some of the publications with our Uh, Mormon and Mormon fundamentalist friends is truly, unless they want to hear, they're not going to pay any attention to things like that. It just makes them angry. And so I can't say that we should ever shove anything uh, in anybody's face and, and insist that they believe what we believe. It's God who does the work on someone's heart, and it's God who does the work on their mind. So you pray for your loved ones, and pray for your neighbors, and pray for the person that you want to share with. But you know, folks, I just have to say here, the Bible is true and nothing else will lead you into eternal life except the doctrine of the salvation that is put forth in the Bible. And Galatians tells us over and over again that if we're relying on any works of the law for any salvation at all, we are under a curse. You can't go to any temple. You can't live any law of tithing. You can't live any polygamy law. You can't live any eating and drinking laws and do's and don'ts and expect that you're going to heaven because of that, because only Jesus saves a soul. You know, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. When we encourage our viewers to check things out, to prove what you believe, we hear responses like, I don't have to prove anything, I know it's true. Or I don't need proof, faith is all I need. Or my family taught me it's true, they're good people and I feel that they're right. Well, that's exactly what Proverbs fourteen twelve is teaching. It seems right, but it leads down the wrong path. There is a way that seems right through feelings, blind faith, or what your church or family leaders have taught you. Maybe logic tells you that they must be right, or perhaps you feel that a work salvation must be true. But in reality, only God's salvation can be true. A personal works method, which is self-righteousness, cannot be true because Jesus said the works God requires is to believe on Him whom He has sent. And Jesus Christ is the one He sent, not Joseph Smith and not celestial marriage. Our faith and trust may be, must be the exclusive belief that Jesus saves us all by Himself and we can do nothing but trust Him alone, no faith on ourselves or on our works, but on Him only. Everything else might seem right, but in the end, everything else is wrong. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus said the works that God requires is to believe on him whom he has sent. Doesn't add a bunch of do's and don'ts to that either. It's not Jesus plus, it's Jesus only you can't add to him. So stop trying and striving and start trusting, not in your church, not in polygamy, not in your prophet, not in your works, but only in Jesus. Good night.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of a Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.